Hey everybody, Danny here. Just a quick reminder that we're still looking for suggestions for your favorite movies and TV shows of 2020. And the reason we want to hear from you is because we're going to discuss how we actually feel about your favorite shows. So if you have a favorite movie or TV show that came out in 2020, I know, the worst year ever, but if you have one that came out this year that you really, really enjoyed, be sure to send it over to us on our social media, either at Board and Browsing Podcast on Instagram, at Board and Browse Pod on Twitter, at Slothenberg on Twitter, or at the underscore big underscore Boomba. And that way we can actually compile it and then have a big discussion about it. That episode will be coming out next week, so a week from this episode's airing. And it's going to be tons of fun. We're going to talk about our personal favorites and just everything that's redeemable from 2020 in terms of media. So be sure to send that to us over on those platforms, or you can make an Anchor account and send it to us through there. Anyways, enjoy this episode and our interview with Golden Glue. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Board and Browsing Podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Sean. Howdy. So today's a little different, and we actually have a special guest joining us, and I'll let him introduce himself. So please welcome to the podcast, Grayson Gilmer. Hey, guys. I am Grayson Golden Glue Gilmer. If you don't know me, I've been a League of Legends pro for about seven, eight years, and I just took a role as a coach for 100 Thieves. So that's like the TLDR of me. <laughs> Congrats and, you know, on that, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Sure. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, we appreciate that. And, you know, as Board and Browsing is primarily about recommending media, um, if you have any, you know, normally we start by talking about what kind of shows or movies or games we've been playing, uh, watching or playing. And do you have anything that you've been watching or playing recently that you'd like to uh, kind of plug or shout out? Sure, sure. So... I took a plane ride recently and I watched Knives Out for the first time. Ooh. Oh, that movie. And I was blown away I, the whole time watching. And I was like this, especially because I was coming from like Virginia. And that's kind of, that's where my flight was from. And it, it's kind of like, it feels similar where it's like old, old timey yeah. area. Um, that movie was absolutely fantastic. Would recommend. I actually just recommended it to my mother to watch this morning. Oh. I started a show on Netflix yesterday. I forget what the the name is, but it's called like duty slash shame, but it's like mm-hmm. Giri, Giri, I don't know. It's a Japanese word. Giri slash Haji is mm-hmm. how I would pronounce it in English, but it's like a um, Japanese kind of like detective-esque show I just started and oh. it seems pretty good. That's cool. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to go through Haikyuu right now as well. Oh, I've heard good things about that. Yeah. What, what's that? I, I actually haven't heard of that. It's an anime. It's like a volleyball anime. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I have heard of this <laughs> then. Yeah. It's really popular. It, it starts out kind of slow. So I like took a break and then uh, just watched like an episode or two yesterday. So uh, yeah, all three of those, I would say, I guess this is what I'm currently watching. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I actually spent the weekend finishing up Big Mouth season four because it just came out pretty recently. I think it's good. I don't think it's as good as previous seasons, which is tough because it sets such a high bar. So in order to like get back up to it, it's still better than most shows I'm seeing, but it's definitely not on the same level as like season two and three. Still would definitely recommend it to anyone who hasn't checked it out. It's basically a show that's animated about puberty. So it's like these kids experience, you know, having their first period or like getting boners in high in uh, middle school because that's just what they are. They're middle schoolers. And it's Everyone's absolutely favorite topic. hilarious. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. It's really good, like, animation, too, even though the characters look funny, because I think they were trying to avoid, like, people drawing them inappropriately. So they're like, ah, oh, make them look funny. Yes. But honestly, like, Big Mouth is one of my top animated shows, especially on Netflix, too. Yeah, I, I still have to check out season four. I've loved the first three seasons. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited for season four. Even if it's not as good, I will still enjoy it and watch it. And again, like, it is really good. It's just not on the same level. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I have been watching, I started up a couple things, but I think the one uh, that I'm going to most focus on is I started watching Snakes on a Plane. I didn't finish it. (laughs) I forget why. It snowed a lot up here, actually, and I had to go do some emergency snow preparations because we didn't even have a shovel in the apartment. So (laughs) that's generally one of the things you need. But Snakes on a Plane, oh, man, high octane. Very (laughs) 90s, I think, is when it came out. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. I can't even exactly tell you what the main character's name was because they don't tell you right off the bat. He's just riding a motorcycle around looking real cool. Dirt bike, I should say. <laughs> and then... Um, Poor correction. Like a guy falls from a bridge and then a bunch of mobsters beat him up and he sees it. So they have, they're chasing him. And then Samuel Jackson's like, get on a plane. And hey, what sounds better than that? You know, Samuel Jackson telling you to get on a plane. Not not much. Which is a surprising trope in a lot of his movies. Yeah, you know, he he tells people to do things a lot. Samuel <laughs> Jackson does. And, I mean, he's authoritative. If he, you know, if he told me to do something, I'd probably do it. That's the thing. Absolutely. Samuel Jackson, if you're listening, tell me what to do. Honestly, <laughs> life advice, anything, I'll take it. Sean's a sub for Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. But so, <laughs> <laughs> exclusively. Nobody else, but when it's Samuel Jackson, hey, all bets are off doesn't really matter he's your hall pass oh he is my <laughs> hall pass. i'll have to tell my girlfriend that hey, <laughs> hey sorry i'm actually gonna go pursue samuel jackson full-time now <laughs> quitting my regular life but moving on from kind of the world of, of video-based media you know we'll, we'll get into talking about league of legends a little bit and you know i think a good question to start off with is just when did you start playing league and what were those first experiences like you know Oh, man, I started playing League a long time ago. Um, so right now we're about to get into season 11. And each season is, is uh, one year. I started playing in season one. Whoa. The very first season uh, as like a 14-year-old high school kid. I played not as much at the time because I was uh, like, I think a freshman in high school or something like that. And yeah. I played football and that took like football plus uh, homework and stuff took up a lot of my times. I, I specifically remember I would like make sure play like one game a day. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, funny enough, I remember when I made that schedule of playing only one, like, and I play ranked, right? I play one ranked game a day. I would have like such a good win rate. I would just win. Cause I'd be <laughs> so focused cause I want to play this one oh. game <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, played season one, but very briefly. And then, season two season three is kind of when i got a bit more into it yeah and and when did you start seeing like professional play as the path you were taking because obviously when anyone starts a game that's not the first thing like i think this game is going to be what i do for my job (laughs) yeah yeah well you know i thought i was pretty good when i started playing it i relative to all my friends that i didn't have actually that many friends who played it so I, i was like the people who do play it that went to my school, I was like, these guys are way too bad. Like, I want to play, <laughs> I want to play, I want to play by myself because what what I got enjoyment out of that game was like competing and like trying to win the most. Yeah. When I was sixteen or seventeen, season three hits, 
I hit challenger, which is kind of like grandmaster or whatever. It's like top 50. Yeah. And that was really difficult to achieve. And I, sure. I, I really shot up because I think I was platinum the season before. So you go like gold, platinum, diamond, challenger. And when I hit challenger, I was like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I, this actually might be a thing. When I would watch um, LCS, I'd watch the pro matches. I was like, oh, I can just do that better. Like I'm watching these guys play and I'm like, I'll yeah. do better than them. So that's like, I definitely had a bit of an ego at that time. I think that's important though. I mean, high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, so I, I would say that I started playing like online tournaments and as a, mm. in high school, I think junior year, one thing led to another. And I, I, on, on, you know, there was a point in my junior year of high school where I would get like a note from my mom to leave school early Friday to go board a flight to LA to go play in a tournament that weekend in Los Angeles. Wow. <laughs> Sunday night, you know, fly home, do homework on the plane, go to bed, school on Monday, like. It was that's, pretty insane. That's yeah. pretty crazy. That I mean, needless to say, probably not the typical high school experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that definitely wasn't like majority of my high school experience. But yeah, definitely, fair. you know, like uh, when I was a senior, it didn't happen often. But sometimes like a freshman would come up to me and like ask for my autograph. <laughs> that's um, cool. Like, like, you sure, bro? Like, <laughs> you realize you we're both this? in high school. Yeah yeah. Like. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was actually something I was going to ask was like, did people know you were doing this or was this just more like your friends and family kind of were in the loop? Um, people kind of knew. I definitely didn't share it that much, but definitely people kind of knew me as like the gamer kid. I don't think people really understood what was going on. They just kind of knew like, oh, he's doing... He's some gamer guy play, yeah. playing in tournaments. I don't think people actually understood. Well, you know, esports really hasn't. I mean, it only it only really started gaining some, you know, like media traction in in the past few years. Honestly, so it yeah. it must have been interesting. So, what would you tell people when they asked about it, or or even even now, you know, if they're like, "What do, what you, do you do?" Yeah, that's something I still sometimes struggle with. I. Yeah. I Sometimes if it's like an Uber driver, occasionally I've lied to them and I just say like I go to school just so like I, you know, cause yeah. it, so I do enjoy talking about it. It's just like if I just talked about it recently, there's so many questions that always come along like, oh, you know, you play games. Is it one game? Do you play like Pac-Man or Tetris? What do you play? <laughs> you know, like uh, how, you, how much money you make? You know, they always ask yeah. questions like that. And I'm like, um, now I well, now that I'm a coach. I, I might be I guess I'm gonna have to change my explanation what I was saying <laughs> yeah but before I'd just be like yeah you know I play video games professionally we play in tournaments uh it's like it's like a whole thing we have franchises we have teams um yeah it really depends on who you're talking to on how I explain <laughs> yeah. it if I'm talking to some like old boomer then I'm I'm <laughs> like you know I'm like yeah it's pretty legit you know like it's just it is what it is we have decent salaries and it's it's a real job now cool so so you you start playing in these tournaments you start getting picked up by teams and playing with these teams what was your day-to-day experience like once you were done with school and were playing like full-time yeah so i graduated high school in 2015 and then i was like i mean i always thought i was gonna go to college growing Hmm. up i was like it was like the given of like a suburban area of like oh yeah you you, know, yeah. you do your four years of college so I was kind of planning to do that and then basically it just seemed very likely that I could be playing professionally so as soon as I graduated high school 
I kind of was just practicing. I wasn't currently on a team when I did graduate. So <laughs> I was like practicing, playing solo queue, streaming every day. And eventually one uh, team eight needed a sub for their mid laner in LCS. And then I came in, played, played on their, that team. And then that team led to another team and like on and on basically. Yeah. How did that first pickup work? Was Did they just call you up and they're like, hey, we need a guy to play mid lane? Yeah. Well, we saw your stream. That wasn't So that wasn't my first team I ever played on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've already, I already played on teams before I graduated high school. So people already kind of knew who I was. Like I already kind of knew people. And, you know, it was just a situation where they needed uh, a, a sub and I was the best candidate available. I was the only one not signed. So yeah. Hmm. yeah that turned out that turned out all right that was fun just to be playing and yeah you know i, I joined like mid-season so it wasn't the most memorable experience the only thing that was that funny about that team so i joined and it was not a great team we were like <laughs> it was it was definitely like bottom pack team i joined and then we went to like a 50 percent win rate but we hmm. still um we still had to go to at that time you had to play in relegations so the bottom like yeah. two or three teams basically had to fight for their spots to stay in the league so that was the most that tournament you're basically paying playing for like what at that that time was probably like a million dollar spot now it's more like 20 30 million dollars for a franchise spot but it was still the most like stressful and pressure because the season ends and then you have to wait like a month to play one match so we're practicing for like a month to play in a match that's like just to survive, right? It's not even to... And then I actually, I got MVP for that tournament and then I got kicked. So that's kind of what oh, happened. God. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that kind of sucked. We they, The new ownership oh. basically came in. They sold the team and the new, new management kind of just came in. Uh, Immortals actually bought the spot. And then the oh, okay. And did their own thing. Yeah. yeah. I think I remember watching those tournaments when I was like still going through school because I, I, I would watch like pretty regularly and I think I remember like you getting subbed in and then like talking about it on the show and continuing on from there. So it's cool to hear the other side of it. Yeah. I've subbed in for like every team. So, you know, it could be literally any of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've gone around, you've, you've checked them all out, you know? Yeah. And, and then the other thing I have kind of going off like day-to-day experiences, what is it like when you're like on a team and you know, you're going to be playing for like a full split? Like what, what is your day-to-day like working with the team? It's, it's grindy. You know, let's you you know, like a couple of weeks before the season starts, you have a full split ahead of you. It's 10, 12, 8, 10, 12 hour days, six days a week. And even on your off day, you know, most people, you know, you sometimes practice on your off day too, like four, four, six hours. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really grindy. It's really high stress, high performance situation, but you have a bunch of kids. So it's a bunch of people who aren't you know like people that kind of not fell into it but when i think of like high performance and like a basketball or football player right they're trained with like lots of discipline from a very young age and esports is not like that right it's Mm. a bunch of usually people staying inside playing games they don't know what team sports are like so there's a lot of like band-aid solutions and Mm. trying to figure out what the best way to operate within like the given team that you have but honestly, it's still a lot of fun. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. I Like, all my friends pretty much nowadays are from gaming or esports or past teams. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say based on that then, that you think it was a benefit that you had, like, that football background potentially of being on, like, a like a traditional sports team and maybe some of the 
uh, habits that you built up from there, would you say that those helped you then? Yeah, it's a huge advantage. It's probably one of the biggest advantages I have over other pro players is that a lot of them don't have like, especially like team sport experience. Because I think even if you have like sport experience, if it's an individual sport, it's not exactly the same as a team sport. Yeah. I th- definitely think that's like one of the only reasons I've been around for so long. So I've had like some of those values just drilled in my head. Sure. Yeah. So would you say, uh, you know, looking back over your whole career, what would you say some of your favorite moments of it were? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually wrote like a long post about my career, but my oh. favorite my favorite moments, there were, there's like three that kind of stand out to me. Yeah. Two of them were when I was on Cloud9 in 2018 summer. The first one was... I was playing, I was playing like back and forth on Academy and LCS. I was playing in both leagues for, for the team. And for a while, maybe like six or seven games in a row, I was playing in Academy. And then the LCS team started doing well. Um, they won like six games in a row. And then they had their hardest opponent uh, of the season coming up in the next match, Team Liquid, who was ranked one in the league, you know, best win ratio, whatever. And then our coach decided to sub me and my jungler, Sinskaran, in for the hardest match of the season. And... You know, it's, it was also my past team. I used to play on Team Liquid. I kind of got kicked, had a little bit of bad blood there. Uh, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I, this is insane, insanely awesome, like, uh, I don't know, just opportunity. And we subbed in and we just crushed them. And I had, like, a great performance. We murdered them. People were not expecting it. Everyone was flaming us, like, you know, <laughs> oh, why are you putting Golden Glue? Why are you putting these guys in for the toughest match? This is, you know, doesn't make no sense. And then we just, we just shit on them. And I was like, <laughs> that 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 gave me some dopamine for sure. I was <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. my past team and w- with my boys on on C nine. So that that was a really good moment. Um, <clears throat> another one was later in that same season. It was playoffs, uh, semi semifinals versus TSM, and we are down one two. They're enemies at game point in the series. Same situation happened. This was actually, I think that was my first playoffs match I ever played, actually. And they subbed me in some scaring in, and we just turned around the series. We just came in. We won the first game pretty ha- – uh, actually, I think the first game was – I don't remember which one was closer. But, you know, it, that was a huge moment for me because also I, Bjergsen was the mid laner of TSM, always has been. And he's like – you know, he's a really good friend of mine and also someone who, like, I look up to his work ethic and a lot of stuff he's done. So I was like, I, I, he's the guy to beat. I want to beat yeah. this guy, right? And it's just like, it felt really satisfying to beat him in playoffs and win my first series, uh, especially when we're in game point. So coming yeah. in clutch like that. Um, yeah. That was fun. That was super, super fun. I remember those games cheering as a fan. I was just like, oh my God, C9 is going to do it. And <laughs> one of my other friends is like a huge TSM fan. So being able to like hold that over him. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. That's the, that was a Swole Bro special. Yeah. So y- y- you talked a little bit just about like you're coming into these games and there's just like a lot of pressure on that. What is the pressure? Like how, how does that affect you and your play as you come into a game? So that's changed over my career, definitely for the first couple of years. Like the pressure was generally something that like pushed me to a place where it actually made me play like worse than I was. I was Hmm. kind of always known as like, people knew me as like the scrim god, but then on stage it wouldn't be as good of performances. I think initially the pressure kind of handicapped me in a way. I, I wasn't able to handle it very well. 
now, like I would say for the last maybe like three years of my career or so, I enjoy it. And it's like something I look forward to. And like that, mm. those feelings and butterflies is something that like I, I do a lot better like channeling. Sure. I still feel it to an intense level, but it's just, I feel like I'm better at dealing with it. Yeah. And then you also played on the world stage. So so for people who don't know, that's when te- the best teams from all across the world come together and compete against each other. So what is, like, what is that experience like? What does that kind of pressure feel like? Well, I played, I, I played at IEM, like in, in Intel Extreme Masters, Gyeonggi in 2017, 2018. And that was a really cool experience. That was my first time playing internationally. It was really fun playing against people from all over the world, right? There was like Russian teams, Korean teams. I think there was Chinese teams there. Um, and it's just really interesting seeing how like other like regions of the world play the game and like different play styles, different champions. Yeah, I think that's like the coolest thing about it is just like you, you feel like, oh, these guys like view the game differently than I do. Like, let, let's see who's like perspective is better kind of uh, one of those to, to win the game. So I think that's my favorite part about like anything international. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating because I mean, you're all playing the same game. So you'd think that, you know, professional players would probably end up approaching it the same way, but I, do you have any, any insight into that maybe of, of how people come up with these different like views on, on what's optimal or, or what like champions are better or build paths are better. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, don't understand why like certain regions play certain champions more or something because it's a lot about yeah. the champions right because yeah. there's such a there's a you know 140 something champions there's so many options yeah. to choose how you want to play the game like I, I can say for example i've gone to korea to practice in solo queue six or seven times now and they are much more uh aggressive than when you play here you hmm. kind of get the i get the feel when i'm playing in na it's much more people are just trying to survive. And mm-hmm. when you're playing in Korean solo queue, like they're trying to murder you. Like they're trying <laughs> to like, they're, they're not giving you like any breathing room and they're trying to push you to the max where honestly, and this is a very like rough kind of uh, generalization, yeah. but that's yeah, like the yeah. overall feel that I get. It's just like, and it's kind of just trying to chill and scale and play for late game. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So one of the things you you mentioned a little earlier was like Spence Herring, your teammate, and just like Bjergsen as someone you look up to. So there's like work relationships versus like actual friendships. And do you, when you're making these friendships, like playing with people on teams, and then you switch teams or they switch teams, how does that feel then playing against them? It's definitely fun. Like I personally, I love playing against my old teammates and my friends. I love beating my old friends and teammates. Like I <laughs> honestly, it's like something that really motivates me because i'm just like i don't want to lose my friend you know I'm just, yeah. i don't want to lose that guy like he's gonna give me a smug ass look after it or something <laughs> uh, but you know it's all in good good fun for me it's i don't i don't really like hate anybody it's just like any any reason to get me to work harder and it's just like oh don't want to lose a friend or <clears throat> it is definitely hard though um uh, managing like friend and work relationships because for sure. the most part like your teammates are your friends yeah and when, you know, if someone's like underperforming or there's like a move made, it's always like pretty, it's pretty tough, but it's just something that goes with being in esports. Yeah. It's a competitive scene. Yeah. So what then kind of impacted your decision to, to shift worlds here? Because, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you're moving into coaching and that changes the way that you even describe what your job is because of course it's a different job. But so what, uh, yeah, what kind of impacted that change? 
Yeah, I spent a lot of time like thinking and deciding over this because being a pro player has kind of been my one of my key like identity cornerstones for the yeah. past almost decade, right? It's pretty much what I put all my energy and time to, into. So I definitely take the decision lightly. I think it's kind of it was kind of like I thought I could I thought there was a pretty like a bigger space to and room to grow as a coach than there mm. was as, as a player. And I thought there's already a lot of really great players, but I don't think there's been really like a truly great coach, at least in NA. There's been good ones and there's been, but I just don't think there's been someone who's been like stand out above the rest. So I just felt like it'd be really good with my, my like skill set, And I've had a lot of coaches and even management and other people tell me in the past that they think my like skill set and personality is really good for being a coach. Yeah. And so I kind of just, I've been talking to hundred thieves for a while. I've been talking, I really like their general manager over there, uh, Chris Papa Smithy. And he's, we've, we've been talking about this opportunity for a while and it just, this off season, I looked at my other playing options and none of them really excited me, hmm. but this, opportunity to coach did excite me so that's kind of like kind of what i gauge yeah. it off of but it was definitely a big decision yeah, yeah. it's all about the drive right it's like what's going to drive you to be the best player and it sounds like you are someone who wants to try and prove themselves so like coaching was the next logical step there yeah for sure cool. so i was going to ask uh why 100 thieves but you just answered that so i might as well ask uh what are your goals as a coach like wh- what do you expect out of the team that you're going to be coaching and what do you want to represent yourself as so i definitely have high expectations for our roster we have a pretty stacked academy roster so you know the goal is winning an academy that's like number one that's our goal getting the players i'm coaching to lcs that's like another big goal of mine and just improving as a coach because i'm coming in here and i you know as a player i would do a lot of coaching like I would do a lot of going over reviewing and going over reviews and like talking about the game. But now that it's like solely my job, like there's going to be differences and like, you know, I have to keep my place as an authority figure and mm. there's a lot of stuff I'm going to have to work and improve on. So I'm just excited to like, I guess make mistakes and see what, like I have an initial idea of what I think I'm going to go in and do and see like where I'm wrong and I can adjust and, you know, just, to see how it is, because I've never done it as a full-time job. Sure. Yeah. That seems like a great mindset for a leader, just just in general, the idea yeah. that, you know, you're not, everything you do isn't going to be inherently correct, and that there's room for growth on both sides. I think that's really cool. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about all this, your, your journey, you know, through uh, pro play and into coaching, is there anything that you would, like, go back, tell yourself, you know, a freshman just downloaded League of Legends on maybe the family computer. <laughs> is there anything that you would have told yourself back then about <laughs> League, about life, about the game? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would have said, go play a fucking different role, man. Don't play <laughs> mid lane. Dude, the mid laners are always, they're so stacked. You know, in, in America, we always, mid lane is like the, the quarterback-esque where mm. every single team pretty much imports somebody from across the world. So, there are points where I was the only North American born mid laner in the wow. league. Everyone's, you know, from Denmark or Korea or somewhere in Europe, like they're from, you know, there's now there's going to be more, but 
there's many times where I was just like, oh man, I have to compete against the whole world for this spot. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just yeah. like, this is, if I, <laughs> I would just say, go, go play like top or support or something. <laughs> you'll, you'll go win a world championship. <laughs> One question I have. So you're having these high expectations for like 100 Thieves Academy. Looking at the rosters for the LCS teams, are there any that like stand out to you as ones you're like, these are just going to dominate the league right now? Yeah, I mean, I think C9s is quite scary they're getting perks and that guy is just a monster yeah. honestly all there's a lot i think c9 tsm tl and 100 are like gonna be the rosters to beat you know the the i think lcs next season is gonna be really top heavy so yeah whatever the, the the titans are clashing it'll be really fun so so not saying this is us but i mean we're we are some filthy silver casual players i mean like what what kind of advice would you give for people like us who are trying to get higher in rank? I would say, like, try to get really good at, like, one or two champions. Try to kind of be a one-trick. Watch some YouTube videos or streams of people who main it and just copy them. I would say it's a lot harder to improve if you're trying to play a bunch of different champions. If, you're, if your only goal is to rank up, just be a one-trick. Yeah. I mean, not saying we are terrible <laughs> at League. I mean... Oh, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, absolutely. You know... No, we're, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Sometimes we, we kind of win okay. when we duo. Yeah. <laughs> Occasionally, I didn't go on a twenty-game loss streak. It's fine. Yeah, Danny, that made me kind of sad. Honestly, like bad. I felt bad. <laughs> uh, which, which actually just made me think of another question, just as like a random one. Out of all, you know, the patches, all of the new champions, uh, who have you had the most fun playing as? You know, not even necessarily the best, but just like you have a good time with it. It's mm, a good question. I think. I've always really, hold on, I have to look, I have to bring up, I'm bad yeah, at like remembering it. champions from my head. I actually, I always <laughs> look at images. Oh, Akali. I love playing Ooh. Akali. Mm. Yeah, that was, that was an easy one. So I saw something. She's like, <laughs> she's got so much, well, she's just like pretty overtuned in the amount of stuff that they give her, you know, invisibility, like a million dashes, <laughs> lots of damage. And you yeah. feel cool. You feel like a badass when you're killing people and, and winning. So she's she's just I think she's really she's designed really well uh, that where it feels good to play her, but she definitely does not feel like good to play against. Yeah, you don't want to be the person on the other side of a collie. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say for sure. <laughs> uh, oh man! So I think this is the perfect opportunity to transition into the game that we're going to play. So if you've never joined us on the podcast before, we like to play this game called Why Should You Care? And the way it works is we each have a minute to craft an elevator pitch about a TV show, a movie, a book, a song, an artist, a podcast, a food you're eating, literally anything that you are interested in or have been checking out and convince the rest of us here why we should check it out and be interested in it as well. So the alternative that you can do if you don't want to recommend something is you can use your minute to convince the others why they shouldn't check it out. So, for example, if I were to recommend Umbrella Academy on Netflix and Sean doesn't like that show, he can then use his minute to say, don't watch this because it's bad. Danny is a fool. Absolutely. That's what I'll say. I, I can go first if no one else wants to. Sure. Because I got mine ready to go. I'll run the timer for you. Yeah. All right. All cool. right. And three, two, one, go. So I figured we have someone who's been in esports here. I might as well talk about a show that's very game heavy. So I would like to introduce you to Video Game High School. Now, this was a YouTube series that was originally created by uh, Freddie Wong and then transitioned over to Netflix and like 
had a bunch of cohesive episodes, and it basically tells a story about this kid who is good enough to become a professional gamer and goes to a high school for learning how to be a professional esports player. And it's unbelievably hilarious. The characters are so charming and lovable. There's something genuinely nice about, like, rooting for this character as he's going from the underdog to being one of the best players at the school. And it's all about just following him and following his experiences with all these wacky characters and a lot of different YouTubers as well. And it's genuinely like one of the shows where if I'm looking for something to just go back to, I will. And it's not so much of the topic that I'm going back for. It's the characters and the relationships and the way they interact with each other that makes me recommend Video Game High School. Ooh, perfect timing on a minute. (laughs) I I think that's a pretty good pitch. So uh, would you guys check out Video Game High School? I think I would, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I I vaguely know Jimmy because he's like friends of friends and oh, yeah. I actually didn't know. I don't. I, I feel like I've heard of Video Game High School, but I've never actually watched it. So that yeah. is interesting. Yeah, and I didn't know it was picked up by Netflix. Yeah, it was on there for a bit and then they took it off, I think, like in the hmm. past year or so. So it's all, I think it's still on his YouTube channel. I'm sure you can find it elsewhere. Yeah. But it, it was definitely one I loved waiting each week to watch. So, uh, Grayson, would you like to go next or would you like uh, me to you can go give next. you a little more time? All right. Yeah, yeah. Sean, do you want me to time you? Uh, Danny got the timer? Yeah, give me the timer, Danny. Yeah. All right. Ready to go in three, yep. two, one. Have you ever felt tired? Yes. Who am I kidding? Of course you have. Danny, it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Why? Because existence is pain and 2020 is exhausting. You know what helps with that? Legal drugs. In this case, I mean caffeine. Uh, you know, what, Col- what Washington or Colorado is doing also cool. they decriminalizing a lot. But right now we're talking about the Dunkin', Don- Dunkin Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts, gingerbread swirl latte. Now, am I traditionally a coffee drinker? No. I hate the taste of coffee. But what I do love is the taste of gingerbread and the feeling of being alive and ready to take on the world. Are we sponsored by Dunkin' Donuts? No. Does anyone from Dunkin' Donuts, you know, corporate listen to this? Probably not. But if you do right now, Dunkin' Donuts know that I am shilling for your gingerbread coffee because I had a small one right now and it's good. And it's what's giving me this burst of energy right now where normally at 348 on a Sunday, I'd be exhausted. So go buy Dunkin' Donuts. I'm a corporate shill. Time's up. So (laughs) would you drink the Dunkin' Donuts gingerbread (laughs) swirl? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, the ginger, uh, gingerbread, uh, swirl latte. Mm-hmm. I feel like you couldn't sell me on that no matter how good a salesman you are. <laughs> I, I just, Fair enough. I, that sounds I, like just artificial flavoring to me. Oh, yeah. big time. <laughs> I, I don't like coffee at all, and I occasionally like the flavored ones, so it's going to be a hit or miss for me. I would try it, but I don't think I would like it. I just, I really don't love coffee at all. Well, I love you just coffee. Become... Oh, you do? It's oh, good. I love coffee. Yeah. What's the, do you have like a go-to coffee order? Recently, it's been um, a large iced uh, latte with oat milk. Mm, iced is the way to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't tried, if you haven't tried a, a latte with oat milk, you have to try it. It's mm, okay. Very. It's most. It's very LA, but it's very, <laughs> very tasty. Sure. I didn't know oat milk was a thing. To be honest. Yeah, you have to try it. It's, you never imagine. milked an oat. I, I have never, you know, I've, up, I've raised them it's for a years. Thing. It's yeah. a thing. Have they, they have them on farms. There's <laughs> the like oat farms? Yeah, there's the baby Oa, which is the little one, and then it grows into an oat. And that's when you can milk it? <laughs> yeah, you gotta uh, wait until it's all grown. Hey, you can't milk those, bud. Yeah. 
Right, Grayson. Or these? I don't remember what he says. Would you like a, to take it away? Sure, sure. I don't know how well I'm going to do on this. I, hey. I feel like I have an uncaffeinated opinion. It's not as... <laughs> um, okay, so what I've been watching a lot recently is Key and Peele skits. So I think Key and Peele skits um, are just... It's really interesting when you go look at the history of realizing like what comedy and like what you could say you know seven eight nine you know years ago whenever they make it i think it gives a lot of context for like humor today and like how it's changed and how it's different and i think there's just something to they're really good on those skits about getting to some like essential unspoken like funny truth that people see in the world but they don't really talk about it. and obviously they maximize it to a whole like another level but their acting is just absolutely insane it's one of the best shows i've ever seen you know you can just go watch it on youtube it's free content it's it's honestly just amazing if you like comedy if you like laughing and it's short uh go check out keen peel skits perfect Hmm. yeah i so i'm not a huge fan of like their whole show but i agree with you their their skits are fantastic i saw one pretty recently which was the two of them were in a zombie apocalypse and all the zombies were avoiding them because they're black (laughs) And it was, like, it was just like this yeah. white suburban neighborhood and they wouldn't go after them. They'd cross the street away from them. And it was just so genuinely funny. Yeah. You know, I've, I've watched, uh, I think, most, if not all, of uh, the Key and Peele skits. But that, you've, you've convinced me to go rewatch them again because it's been a minute. Um, and yeah, they're, they're just really good. They're, they're super entertaining. They're football and one, too. That, that where, Peele, where they do Peele's... The, the roster? You, you the know roster? what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one's top tier and peels off making great movies too yeah. so you yeah know, talented guys what is keegan michael key up to locksmith <laughs> it's in the name that was a bad joke hey there's the board and browsing humor everybody listens for key yeah. jokes well anyways this has been our episode grayson thanks so much for coming on it was yeah. such a pleasure to have you here and get the opportunity to talk to you about your career but where can people find you yeah thanks for having me you can follow me at twitter slash golden glue uh my instagram is grayson gilmer and my twitch is also golden glue those are probably the three places i'm most active on go hit me up yeah so you can follow the podcast at board and browsing podcast on instagram you can follow us on twitter at board and browsing pod you can follow me on twitter at slothenberg as well as on twitch at slothenburger and you can follow samson who's our other co-host at the underscore big underscore boomba but anyways my name is danny i'm sean i'm grayson (laughs) thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you all next time bye bye yeah